Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Ronnie Landis, a high-performance health expert, mind-body mastery coach, author, teacher, and founder at Holistic Health Mastery. Today, Ronnie and I are going to discuss poverty and ways that we can help heal poverty in the Western world. If you want to get in touch with Ronnie after this episode, you can find him on Facebook at Ronnie Landis or on Instagram at Ronnie, that's R-O-N-N-I-E underscore Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S. And you can find me on Instagram at arel.hug.love. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast episode. Hello, Ronnie. Welcome to the Elevate Your Soul podcast. My pleasure to be here. So nice having you. Can you tell us about who you are and what your background is, please? So my background is in the last 11 years professionally, my background has been in the holistic health world as a holistic health teacher, a nutritionist, a personal transformation coach. Um, I focus a lot of my work on the intersection between our psychology and our physiology being our health of our body, what we put in our mouth as in food, nutrition, and really peak performance strategies to help people live a more vital life, a more vibrant life, a healthier life, full of you know infinite amounts of energy so they can put that energy into what they love to do. That to me is really my perspective about health and why I'm so excited about health is helping people have all the health and vitality so not only they can live as long as they want to live to fulfill their mission on the planet but they have all the energy to do that at the same time so yeah. that's a little bit about um you know my my passion around health and nutrition besides that i was raised as a martial artist and a high performance athlete so as a young child i was raised in the world of traditional martial arts eastern philosophy spirituality a little bit a little bit about <clears throat> metaphysics at that time uh, philosophy, you know, just really thinking about many different things around life and personal development. How can I continue to get better as an athlete, as a martial artist, but just also as a person, you know, how can I improve my life? How can I improve all the areas of my life so I can become a fully functional human being integrated and I can uh, do my work on the planet? And I've, I think I've always had a focus on personal development. I've always had this thing inside of me that knew that I could grow more, that I could do more. Um, I could expand into whatever it is that I wanna do in my life. I just have to put forth the, the right attitude and the effort and the energy and dedicate myself. And that's been my life path, you know, just pushing the boundaries of what's possible. And uh, that's led me here to this conversation. Awesome, I love it, I love it. The first question I want to ask you is what elevates your soul? Ooh, okay. What elevates my soul? How do I put that into words? Um, well, it's very much what I said. It's pushing the boundaries of what is possible. And what I mean by what is possible is what I believe is possible and how to go to the next level, how to 10x what I believe is possible yeah. and make that a reality and make that my life. That, that elevates my soul because that also creates a ripple effect into all the people that I come across, all the people that come into my my world, I get to actually amplify everybody else's energy by first focusing on amplifying my own and, yeah. um, you know, going from there. So that, that, that elevates my soul. I love that. I love that. So today's topic is how we can start to heal poverty. And before I dive into that, I'd like to ask you, what is the purpose and the value of money in our worlds? Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, well, this is, a, this is a big topic. There's a lot of distinctions and there's a lot of things that I think are gonna be really, really powerful for people. So to the first question, what is the purpose and energy of money? Well, so this is a good, this is a good segue. So when people think of poverty, oftentimes they're, they're mostly focused on money. They're focused on the end product, right? Yeah. And I wanna help people in this conversation maybe shift their perspective and, and disassociate from money a little bit and focus on the phenomena itself and the energetics and, and, and those things 
that actually create the money or the absence of money in the first place. And so just really simply put, my perspective around money is that it's neutral. It's not good. It's not bad. In fact, it, it, it is more good than not because it, it is our form of exchange in the world, right? In yeah. every single culture before we had, we had dollar bills with dead presidents on it. We had certain, we had coins, we had precious metals, we had noble metals like gold, for example, yeah. we had in the Aztec culture, they had cacao beans, the Mayan Aztec culture, the cacao bean, which is where all chocolate comes from, yeah. was their form of exchange. Nice. They actually exchanged a certain amount of cacao beans like they would pesos, and that's how they, that's how they did it. So basically, money is used as a form of exchange of value for something for something else. Yeah. Um, the energy around money is very interesting, and we could probably do a lot of deep dives into it. Um, Please. It's, it's, it's really the exchange of value. And yep. that's, that's the best way that I can say it to help other people understand how to get more of it. Yeah. Right. Cause that's really what people are concerned about. You know, they want to know how do I get more of it? Well, you have to provide value and you can break that down to the, to the microcosm of the most basic, basic thing all the way to, you know, uh, conversations around, you know, you know, in the internet's entrepreneurialism and all this is very an influencer culture. This is a very hot topic. A lot of people are really wrapped up in this, but it doesn't change. Ultimately, no matter what you're dealing, millions of dollars or tens of millions, and I don't, I don't make that right now. I aspire to, but I have a lot of friends and mentors that are playing at that level, and I can tell you it's the same exact game played on a bigger playing field, and the, the game is how do I provide the most amount of value to the specific people that I'm serving and supporting? Yeah. Um, that, that's, you know, simply said, that's, that's what I feel like money really is in our world. And to add value, do you need to know what your purpose is and what your passion is to add value to? No, people, people are, are okay. creating value given the, the agreements and the, the job occupation and the requirements yeah. they're providing value and they're receiving money in exchange for that value, but they may not be passionate about that. Right. Right. So it's, it's not, and that's what I mean. Money is neutral. And I think a lot of the, 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 the kind of like, you know, a lot of the information and what I call kind of magical thinking on the internet, there's a lot of confusion around this particular topic in terms of like, okay, I need to find my purpose. I need to find my passion. My personal opinion is you need to get to work. Yeah. But at whatever that work is, wherever you are right now, focus on being of value because that will inform you about what your purpose really is. And and I don't some some of us find it earlier than others. When I was a child and growing up, my purpose was martial arts. My purpose was to be a great athlete. My purpose was to go to the Olympics. My purpose was to, you know, do all these things. But you yeah. see, it didn't it didn't all come at once. I had to get into the game first. I couldn't yeah. be a spectator just just kind of uh, philosophizing about like, okay, just thinking on what's my purpose and sitting on the stands while everyone else is playing the game, having a good time. I had to get in the game. And then from, from that and developing myself, getting better at the game I chose to play, it gave me new opportunities that led me more into things that maybe I didn't know I liked to do but it gave me an opportunity to do that and meet different people. And it, it went from there. So I'd say like, if somebody is really in that place where they're, they're waiting to find their purpose or they're waiting to be inspired, the most inspiring thing you can do is to shift your energy and put it into some kind of direction that actually produces results. Right. Um, so it's like starting that momentum. That's right. Very important. Yes. It's a, it's a momentum game. Life is all okay. about momentum and money is about momentum. Yeah. And what do you mean by that? Money is momentum. Okay. So when you think of momentum and you think of the energy behind momentum, it's literally momentum is about creating a carrier wave in our life. So when you're doing something consistently and you keep doing it, you notice that energy starts to build up and all of a sudden it feels like everything's kind of coming together. And the more you pour into that, it kind of becomes a snowball and energy is very much like that. Um, I noticed in my businesses, one of the biggest insights I gained from, you know, I, I have a particular business where I work with a lot of different people 
um, in, in kind of a sales orientated environment. Yeah. And I notice when I back off and I, and I stop producing momentum, everyone around me stops producing momentum too. It's almost like an interesting phenomena that happens. But when I get into the game, and I'm moving, I'm pushing buttons, I'm, I'm in it, I'm showing up, I'm talking to people, I'm calling people, all of a sudden this energy starts to build. And yep. then more than I could do by myself starts to get created. So what I'm saying is that you're, you're creating a carrier wave of energy that will start to carry you further than you could do um, by yourself. People will come on board. They'll be kind of like this, this infectious energy that starts to build. Yeah. Um, and, and the key is to keep it going, to stay, and that's why people say consistency is everything because yes. it creates the energy that you're trying, the inspiration that you're trying to get to. Yes, and what if you are consistent and having movement towards something that you're passionate about and adding value to other people's lives, but you're not earning money with it yet or, for example, yeah, all of these people in the spiritual community, all of the healers, yoga teachers, Reiki yep. healers, um, breathwork coaches, podcast hosts, things like that. What would you say to people in that field? So um, this is this is really great where we're going with this. I really like this. So what, what you have to do is you have to identify what's your strategy because mm -hmm. you could be providing value. And you could be doing all the right things, but if you don't have a strategy for how to translate your, your, your efforts and your activity into money, then it's, it might come in spurts or somebody gives you a donation and stuff, and that's great. But what you want to do in a business, you want to create a piping system. So the money needs something to come through, right? You need, you need to create the piping system for your form of exchange. So in an in a occupation, if you're working for someone else, most likely that business has its piping system built in. Yeah. It has a very clear, there's not a lot of emotion around it. It's just, it's just clear. It's mechanic. Money. Right? That's right. Yeah. Like this, yeah. Is, this, is, this is how we make money, right? Like getting yeah. to that level. So if you are one of these people and I was there at some point too, I was very foggy. I was vague, very general about what I was doing. It wasn't until I started to understand a little more about business and a little more about money and understanding that, Oh, if I just actually tweak a few things, I have everything in place like you're talking about, but now I just need to actually create a piping system from the value I'm giving. That could be, you know, in our world, we see like eBooks or some way to monetize basically, right? Okay. Whatever that is. And then, and then you put, and then you, that's your value. And then you, you know, you could get infinitely more, more advanced, but that's the basic idea. You know, that's the idea behind marketing. So find a way to actually market yourself that, that basically marketing is telling, it, it's, 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 it's telling other people about you in some way. Yeah. You know, so, so promoting yourself, sharing yourself, you cannot do it in a vacuum and in our day and age, there's so much noise out there that you have to find out what makes you unique in the particular market that you're serving, whether it's yoga, coaching, healing, podcasting, whatever it is. Yeah. If you want to make that your vehicle, double down on your particular interests, you know, that, that might make you unique in that category. So you're the person who owns that particular niche, if you will, and you start there and then you find out what is the, the problem or the thing that I'm trying to help other people alleviate or solve in their life and then yeah. become committed to helping people get results in that area. Yeah. And it's really important as well to get a mentor sometimes. Sometimes we need a coach if we don't understand money that much or we don't know how to package ourselves or how to yeah. present ourselves in a way to make more of a living if that's what we're wanting to yeah get a coach and get someone who is experienced in that field yeah yeah and and yeah that's exactly very good very good suggestion I, I yeah you need you need to have somebody who's been there and who's charted the course and can help you discover the way that you can do it right yeah. um and in the beginning if you haven't done something you don't know how to do it. So first step is I have to admit to myself, I don't know how to get to the next step. I know where I want to go, 
but I don't know how to. I have belief systems. I have ideas that may not be producing the results I want. I got to be honest with myself that I need help. And I think just as a human emotional, mental health perspective, we've gotten into a place where we think that we can do it by ourselves. We yes. think that we should do it by ourselves. So and, true. and it's, you know, it's obviously a fear-based perspective and we have to open ourselves up a little bit to realize, you know what? Um, I need support. I need help. Um, and it's a bit of a quieting of ego as well. Like it's, it's quite, I think it's usually oh, yeah. the ego as well. That says, I don't need help. I can figure this out on my own. Everything that I need is within me. Half true. We're interdependent beings, <laughs> not independent. Yeah. 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 And a, and a good mentor will help you unravel that ego stronghold. Yeah. Exactly. You need somebody that you, you don't want to hire your best friend. You need somebody that intimidates you and inspires you at the same time because you're not mm-hmm. hiring somebody to be your friend. It yeah. can translate into a friendship, but there must be a clear distinction. Um, you know, if you're going to martial arts for the first time, like your, your teacher's not your friend. Your, your parents, when you're growing up, they're not your friends. They're, they're, there is that natural maturation and evolution of a relationship, but those are the people that are entrusted with your welfare until you actually get to the place where, you know, you, you can take care of yourself. So it's, 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 it's humility and it's just, it's just, you know, not getting, not getting, what am I trying to say? Not getting the, the relationship dynamics confused because that's what I've seen can throw people off. Yeah. And, you know, there's drama and weird things like that. This is a drama free zone. Like I'm going there to get coaching. I'm going there to get help. And this person is going to hold a space for me and hold a mirror for me. So I can actually come to clarity about what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. So true. Can I shift the conversation now to please, please. what things can the world do, other people do, and most importantly, what can we do, people who are listening to this podcast episode, to help with poverty? Okay. Um, well, the first thing that all big of question. us... Big question. <laughs> big question, but I mean... I think the first thing that we need to do is we need to reverse the, the magnifying glass and turn that in on ourselves. Um, before we try to go out there and save the world, we got we to gotta make sure that is my house in order? Right. Do I have my house to order in order? Am I, you know what I mean? Like we have to, we have to focus on ourselves. And my belief is that if every individual or 10% of the population only took that approach, yeah. The, the ripple effect would be so massive that it would catalyze more and more people to take responsibility for their lives. So you're and, saying 10% of people to take care of themselves? Like in the entire grand yeah. scale of our population, yeah. if 10% of our population took that seriously and focused on themselves, their families, yes. and, and got that in order first, yeah. It would create a ripple effect in the neighborhoods, the, 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 the families, the distant fit, like everyone would be affected by that because the, ultimately yeah. the, the, the source of the issue is responsibility. In our right. culture, we have completely lost what it means to be totally responsible for ourselves. We don't want to be responsible for ourselves, you mean? Yeah, well, we've been taken care of. We've been taken care of, quote right. unquote you know, throughout the systems that actually perpetuate poverty. Yes. And for people who are listening, who think that you're just saying, uh, be selfish and be vain and conceited by taking care of yourself. What's the difference between that and taking responsibility of your own life? Well, it's a a monumental difference. The only reason people become selfish or vain or narcissistic is because they've foregone personal responsibility. So there's a tendency to blame, to shame, to, to, and if probably be probably are, are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not codependent that, that maybe, but the entitlement. Right. We need to shift entitlement. And that's what I'm talking about. This, this has nothing to do with any, all that is a byproduct of what we're talking about. It's really about, it, it's shifting the entitlement thing, meaning nobody outside of me is going to save me. Nobody is going to do it for me. My health is my responsibility. My finances are my responsibility. The welfare of my family, et cetera, et cetera. 
that's my responsibility and I need to take that on for me. That, what that means is that you do become self-centered, which is different than becoming selfish. Okay. Self-centered means that you're, like, you're the hero in your story. Who the heck else are you focusing on more than yourself? Right. Like you need to be, we need to be centered within ourselves because we can't actually make good decisions unless we're grounded and centered beforehand. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully that distinction makes sense. Yeah, self, self-care. Yeah, self-care, self-responsibility, self-caring, yeah. caring for ourselves. Self-loving, yeah. That's right. Yeah, when you love yourself and you care for yourself, then you care and love other people. How can yeah. how can one truly love another if they they don't give themselves that same treatment? Yeah, how can someone truly take care of someone else and know what's best for someone else if they don't know what's even best for themselves? And that, that's what I'm. That's it. That's that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So that's taking care of ourselves, taking responsibility of ourselves. Okay. So that, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's one that, so that's, that's an important piece of it. Okay. Um, the other piece that I was thinking about earlier was that, um, we can't, so to speak, prevent poverty. Poverty, poverty is a phenomenon. It's, I don't want to, fo- you know, I'm not right. talking about poor people or any, any, right titles or, or any judgments. I'm talking about the phenomena of poverty in the world. Yeah. It's not something that we can prevent, so to speak. But what I would say is that focusing on educating the next generation, empowering the next generation, because people just like, I don't know if you're in your work, I definitely know for me and my work, I've tried to change all the adults, you know, yeah. and, and, and some people are raised, some people aren't. But when the patterns and the belief systems and the behaviors are so ingrained, mm. it is significantly harder to, yeah. for that person to make a complete turnaround versus empowering the younger generation yes, in a way that they don't have to undo all that trauma and all that rewiring work. They're already a fresh slate. In fact, they know what to do ahead of time. But we just have to create the environment and create the pipeline, create the opportunities for them to thrive. And I think that's what we're seeing in our world. There's a, there's a huge tide that's happening. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's the only real way I know how to prevent the future of impoverishment is, yeah. is by empowering the youth. And education. That's right. Yeah, education. And Real education, education. Uh, free education in schooling, or I mean, just just I mean, the whole thing, the whole conversation yeah. of education yeah. in general. I mean, what's interesting is like, you know, I think about the institutions that that forego freedom, the institutions that are designed against freedom, yeah. which is like all the institutions that hold society together. Yes. Um, and the education one being one being being the primary indoctrination system for all the children. And just I'm, I want to go on a tangent, but this is an interesting note that I have. The way that our society is 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 built in the family structure and the way that that's been altered through economic pressure. You have the parents that are that are going off to the, whatever their jobs are. They're not integrated in the home necessarily. So the child is essentially sent off to a babysitting institution. Yes. Where the responsibility for that child's education has been given over to the state. Yeah. It's been given over to, you see how that all ties in. Yeah. So that in of itself is a big situation. I'm not really invested in that. My children are not going to have anything to do with that at all. They won't even, they'll probably won't even know it, know it's a thing until they're 10 or 12. Like right. how I envision playing that out. But yeah. for the average person, just understand that um, when I say education, I mean all education. What's cool is shifting the energy of this. What's really cool about our world in the technological age, you could say all the negative things about technology and there's plenty, but the, the amazing thing is that it has bridged so many worlds that would not exist to most of us if it weren't for the access to free information. The only thing we want to be careful about is that we have so much information coming to us so much that it can be challenging to weed through all the things coming at us. Yeah. Um, so that, so what I would say is specific and intentional education is key and we have access to all of that. Yeah. With technology. Yes. Yes. And books. 
And but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, the, and I, I really recommend, by the way, for everyone listening, like yeah. as amazing as, as podcasts are and as amazing as um, audiobooks and everything, and definitely learn the way that you learn best. Yes. There's nothing like reading a book. I mean, this gives me an opportunity to bring this up. Like this little book right here, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, this mm -hmm. book was written in the early, early 1900s. I read this book, I want to say when I was like, 14 or 15, maybe 16. Yeah. This one of the most incredible books in the world. And, and it's just this little thing, this little thing right here. If you had this and you took this around with you and you just kind of opened it up and, you know, like, let me just flip open. Oh, the effect of thought on health and body. Oh, let me, let me, let me read that. You know, it's, right. it's that, it's that act of like engaging yourself with the, the detailed structured thoughts of somebody that probably had the same problems as you probably had it way worse yeah. studying the lives of other people to get perspective on how much abundance and opportunity we really have and then taking in the wisdom to actually do something about it. Yes. And I feel that some people are naturally more curious beings. They ask why a lot. They're curious about things. They want to investigate. They want to inform themselves. They want to understand life and people and things. And for those people where curiosity is a little less of a natural instinct to them, sure. how sure. do people get inspired to get educated and learn about things? Like for people who are like, I don't even know what I think is interesting, what I want to learn about, what do I want to read about? How do they find that inside themselves, that curiosity of why and how mm. and what? Well, it just comes down to, you know, reason like what is the reason you have to find a reason for what for for why you're doing something like what's what 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 is what you know I don't really that's hard for me to answer because I don't know I don't know one human being that's not interested in something right right just on this conversation most people are interested in money they want more mm -hmm. of it well that okay great let's let's find out who has done that and let's start there you know, you open that box, like what, whatever, because that whole thing of like, oh, I'm, I'm not creative. I, I don't know what I want to do. Right, that, right. That's a filler. That's a scapegoat for actually sitting with yourself, asking yourself a question. What am I really interested in? Yeah. <clears throat> right. And a lot like, of people, a lot of people can make their, their mess, their message. I hear that a lot as well. well all the time. For people who yeah, totally. feel like they're in a super shitty situation in life and they've had a disease or a mental illness their whole life, maybe start with, with that. Make that your yeah. passion. Make, make your life story your passion of your childhood or maybe you joined a gang or maybe some traumatic event happened to you. Maybe yeah. you can get curious as to helping others not have that same bad experience that you had in your childhood or Yeah, whatever. absolutely. I, I would say like get really curious about how to solve your own problems. Yes. Take it back yeah. to that, like, oh, like, I don't know what to focus on. Well, it's yeah. probably what you should have been focusing on in the beginning, which is yeah. how to get out of this stupid situation right. um, or how to, how to actually improve upon my life. Like that one thing there will open up a door, right. you know, um, that, that's what I would say that. And that brings it back to like, you know, bringing your house into order, you know, yes. um, it, it, it's always got to come back to that no matter what the thing is. It's got to come back to that one thing. What it, what is my pain? Essentially, you can like yeah. look into the pain teacher philosophy. Yeah. What is the most yeah. persistent chronic pain in my life, in my body, in my mind, in my situation that keeps showing up? You got to be curious. If somebody's not curious enough to actually yeah. look at that and to to want to do something about it, yeah. Nothing else is good. That's just step one. Yes, I know, and that's. That's sadly not so easy for everyone because there are a lot of people who have extreme anxiety or extreme low self worth and low yeah. self love, and they that, that's why. But that's always, why they have it. That that's where the anxiety comes from. Yeah. The anxiety is a feedback system from your nervous system alerting yeah. to you that there's a disarray in mm -hmm. our life. Like our body actually is the feedback mechanism for order or disorder in our life. So if you can actually treat your body like, you know, when something's coming up, or you're feeling anxiety, first of all, take a deep breath, learn how to breathe, get interested in breathing. Yeah. First, you can calm the nervous system 
And then actually you can put your hand on your chest and just close your eyes and feel into the source of the anxiety. And I guarantee you everybody, if they do this, everybody knows exactly what keeps them up at night. They know exactly where the fear is coming from. It's an avoidance of something. And that question, what am I interested in? Mm-hmm. Is what am I wh- what do I avoid in my life? Right. That that will get you right to the source and then it's up to you to to follow the message. Right. Um, I love what you said there. Can you explain that one more time what anxiety is? Anxiety Yeah, bottom. anxiety is a feedback system from your nervous system telling you that something is either in order in your life, that's the feeling of peace or something is out of order, it's in disarray, that's the feeling of anxiety. It's, it's, right. it's just an, a sensation of energy that does not feel particularly peaceful. Right. So it's, it's a feedback system. So anxiety, people who are suffering with anxiety or would like to lower their anxiety, they need to take a good clear look at their life and figure out what's not in order. That's right. Right. Yeah, that, that's the only way you're going to do it. I mean, you, you can't, it's again, like it's a feedback system. So if we can get to a place where we can start to treat our life and our body as a feedback system to, to cue us in on what's really going on, then we won't be so mental. You know, we're, we get really yeah. in our head about things because we're actually, we're avoiding the sensation of the body. Yeah. And I get it. We don't, we may not have the information. We may not know what to do. We may be in a stressful situation, but I can promise you if you can, if you can look at how you got into the situation, you can find your exit strategy. Right. Right. If I dive in a little bit heavier now on the topic of, for example, Los Angeles or Mm -hmm. Vancouver, British Columbia, where Mm -hmm. I have seen the most, homeless people that I've ever seen in any Western city in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, Like huge communities of homeless people to the point where it's almost like living on the streets is easy for them. They have their tents set up. They have their drug system going. They're, they're cooking for each other. Uh, They're all, you know, I guess mating each other or, or whatever. Um, how is there anything that we can do because when i see that and when i first saw that um it was actually in british columbia that like tore me apart and i mm-hmm. i can see that everyone who lives there is a bit desensitized to it but i've never seen that before so when i saw it i couldn't help but feel so bad for them and like i i felt like it was my responsibility and other people's to figure out a way to do something and not just be like, Oh, they're just homeless people. Oh, it's just a big city. That's, this is where they go. This is where they hang out. It's like, is there anything that we can do? I'd love to know. Is there anything I can do? We can do to help that situation at all. There actually is. (laughs) If you have any. Well, we'll we'll take, we'll take all that out of the, the, and just focus on what can we do? There is something amazing that we can do. Um, When I was growing up, I, you know, I grew up in the Bay area. So I've, I've seen this, throughout my whole life and, yeah. and um, you know, on the streets of Oakland and San Francisco and Berkeley to a lesser extent and yeah. here in LA with Skid Row and all around the world. I've been all around the world, Egypt, Nicaragua. Um, you see it all over the place in, in varying degrees. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just think. I was pausing for a second. I had a little brain fart there. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I've so I've grown up with that. I've become accustomed to it. Um, and what? Oh yeah, this is where I was going with it. So one of the one of the quotes that a friend of mine shared with me that really shifted my perspective was that the best thing I can do for poor people is not become one of them. Right. Now just just sit with that for a second, because some people may that that may seem controversial, but it's actually absolutely true. I just want to say it one more time the best thing I can do for poor people is not become one of them. Now, what that actually means is that I need to maintain a certain caliber and standard in lifestyle that maintains me because if I drop down to the level where other people are, and you could take this with your friends that you're transitioning from, relationships, if I lower my standards and I lower my energy, I lower my vibe, I'm going to be of very little use to the people that I'm trying to help. And I will be susceptible to being pulled down right. into that darkness. Right. So that's number one. And now with that said, what can you do? 
there's so many things you can do and different people are going to be called to support in different ways. Um, you can be, you can just simply be kind. You can be, you can, you know, you can work in certain organizations. One thing that I did was um, over in Skid Row, obviously like in LA, that's the biggest homeless society. Basically it's like a tribe, you know, on the side of the road, yeah. they have, I drive through there. They have parties going on. They're like music. It's tense everywhere. People <laughs> yeah. dancing. And it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah. But one thing I did was that um, I was invited to speak at this boys and girls club that was in the heart of Skid Row. So I drove in there yeah. and um, it, it was, it was, it was pretty, you know, it was pretty alarming to see what the, see what these kids are living in, but they were beautiful kids. You know, that's just all they knew. They had good attitudes. They had good souls. And I just, I, you know, I was there to speak to them nice. and just inspire them. They're between like, I want to say between like maybe eight and 12, maybe something nice. like that. Nice. And I, yeah. I noticed like I spoke to them, but I, by engaging with them, mm. talking to them, not so much me motivating them, but me just having a dialogue and interacting and knowing that I came out from somewhere else to be with them for that time. Yeah. Um, I felt like that was, that was a significant thing that I was doing. And, and that, so that, that's what I think, like when, and was I it take significant that, to them, you felt as well. Yeah, I did. I yeah. did. And the main thing was, it was significant to me where I recognized that I was doing my part in that particular instance. Right. And I felt like it was significant to them. I feel like it was a, it was right. a positive seed planted where otherwise there's a bunch of, you know, whatever else in their environment. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, you could, you know, that kind of thing, that that's what I would say to a lot of people and, and translate that into a particular area that makes sense to you. Um, you know, maybe your mission, I know a lot of people I know have done a lot of work to bring more of a health and awareness focus. So in a vegan yeah. focus, so they'll bring, they'll go to like, I don't know, like soup kitchens or some kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. they'll, they'll support in that way. They'll bring, they'll bring, you know, edible food, real food to them. They'll make right. food for them. They'll do soup kitchens, whatever is, right. I think, I think, um, where, what's coming through here is the necessity for human connection. Yeah. Big time, big mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the, these, these, you know, everybody wants to be seen. Yeah. No matter what your lot in life is and and in this particular example, these individuals are like the untouchables in India. They've been pushed to the side. Like literally these tents are skewed every so often to another block, another block going further yeah. down, but it doesn't, it doesn't, you know, they don't disappear. Exactly. Um, so. And you were saying that connection, I agree as well. Like human connection is the cure for so many things, but then with these big homeless communities, how they all have each other. You said they're partying, they're, they're all kind of living together in a community. That, they have their own connection there. with each other. So that's right. I think that's why they're staying there too. Right. Okay. And then if they left, they wouldn't have that sense of connection. So it makes it easier for them to stay because they have that sense yeah. of connection and community. Yeah. And then obviously in these situations, we're not going to correct or fix that. That is a problem. That is a structural problem and a moral problem. Yeah. Of the civilization itself. And you feel that, that they're choosing that then, right? Like if, if you would I mean, go and survey everyone really, living yeah. there in, in that community, in those large communities of homeless people, you know, how many of them would really say, wow, I'll, I'll do anything I can to get out of here or this is where I belong? Well, I'll make, a, I'll make an example, like anyone that wants to argue that point. I mean, I have a friend, his name's Christopher Aaron, and we recently had a conversation together. He's a, a longtime expert in fasting and raw food and plant-based living and um he was raised in similar environments and we got into a conversation okay. about homelessness and he was like he takes people through like 40-day water fasts and stuff like that and he was telling me he's like i helped cure many people of homelessness i was like he spoke about homelessness like a viral infection i was like right. what do you mean you cured homelessness and he's like i got a number of people on fasting programs and one guy literally made a complete turnaround. He was homeless. And then in a short amount of time, he was back in it. He was back on it. He got a job. He got himself out of the situation. Yeah. And I thought that was just a really interesting thing. Um, 
which which leads me into just a little bit of the uh, subject around food in terms of like what what people are eating and the subtle energies that are encoded in that food. Yes. You know, because when you think of factory farming, you think of most of animal agriculture, you think of um, all the components that go into it, the destruction of the rainforest, the all the things we know, the atrocities of, of how the animals are treated. It's literally the energy of greed, of fear, shame, guilt. It's literally poison. Torture. It's torture. So yeah. when people are taking in that and probably have been their whole life, right? It does affect their behavior, it does affect their mental their yeah. mental attitude. It affects every single thing. I believe that one hundred percent. You're absorbing the energy of that food. It's also I have this <laughs> I have this Mexican place up the road that I go to and I love their burritos. And there's one person who works there and they put no like love or effort when I get my burrito made. They just like slap everything on there as quick as they can and like roll it up and chuck it in your face and like get you to go as quick as you can. And I can I cannot like I cannot order a burrito that day if that person's working. Mm, like I need someone who like slowly puts things together and you can you yeah, can taste there's yeah. just like so it's not only how the food is grown like you know factory oh, farming or is it organic yeah. but it's like how you cook the food how you present your own food like are you shoving food in your mouth because you're in a rush and you're like driving somewhere or are you actually like taking the time to sit down and be grateful and appreciate the taste and the flavor and the the energy you're absorbing mm. from the food i believe that 100 percent yeah, t totally. Great example. And, and I think the underlining uh, point of that story was not only were those individuals completely abstaining from food and drinking water, which, which in of itself is a prosperity creating thing to abstain from the things that weigh us down yeah. and create yeah. that kind of poverty consciousness, to abstain from that is an activity of willpower. It strengthens somebody's spirit. And I think, mm -hmm. I think if you want to go down the spiritual road, I think it's totally appropriate. I think that's actually what happens with some people is something inside of them comes fully online. Yeah. And that shifts our reality. That shifts where our interests go. That shifts where we go. And it can help take somebody out of an environment because all of a sudden their vibration starts to come online and they start to feel good, yeah. their mind opens up, and all of a sudden they're like, well, I gotta get, get the heck out of here. Like, what am I doing? They, they basically wake up. Yes. Right? Okay. Like, yeah. it's, again, because it's not about money, it's an, it's an yeah. attitude, it's an energy. Yes. The, the energy of poverty is an insidious, um, I would even say it's evil, like the energy, not poor people yeah. are evil. The energy of poverty is evil and it's dark. Yes. And so somebody actually has to liberate themselves energetically first in order for everything else to happen, but they have to get themselves out of that environment and the energy of poverty. If you liken it to the energy of evil, from my interpretation, it's sticky, it's sticky, it's mucky. It's like, if you've ever felt stuck or like you, you can't quite move, like that's what that energy is. Yeah. And, and so you got to find a way to get unstuck. Yeah. Because your environment is informing you nonstop about your reality. So you got to find a way to get out of there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And you were saying before how you had this chat, uh, were they homeless uh, children, adolescents? Um, they, they, they were in, a, they were in um, not a foster home, but they were in like, they basically all stayed at that, whatever that organization was, the Boys right. and Girls Club or whatever it was. Right. They, they, they had parents, like, I mean, everyone varying degrees, like, I don't, I don't know the history yeah. of every one of them. You had little yeah, kids yeah. that seemed like that was, that was where they hung out. Right. Um, so th there was like, there was like support. There was like some kind of, there was like counselors or whatever, but the actual physical environment itself was energetically very, very low, but you could tell That's like these, these children, their spirit still Quite was there. Quite and innocent, right? Yeah. So, so doing whatever we can to nurture that and to give yeah. back to that. Um, because, you know, the rose that grows out of the concrete is infinitely more is stronger and more resilient yes. than the rose that grows in, in, you know, the ideal, the ideal garden. Yeah. So those children have the seeds that can come online 
to support those in their own environment. Yeah. Yeah. So things like that would, would help. Um, when I go back to the question of things that we can do to help yeah. homeless people is actually go. And you were saying at the beginning that education, how um, powerful education is. So going there and having talks to these people, which Give I don't them a know. Book. Leave them some, don't just talk to them, leave them something, get them, right. get them, whether it's this book or it's other books, get them something and right. give it out to them, give something, you know, like leave them something that they, now that you've opened their mind, yeah. give them something that they can put their mind into. So yes. like, I think for me, you know, the big thing is, is dignity. Right. I want to make sure that every human being I come in contact with feels dignified within my interaction. I don't want to demoralize somebody, to judge somebody, right. to make someone feel less than it's not my, but the thing is, I've had to learn this. It's not my responsibility for someone to change their life. That that's that's not a burden I'm willing to bear. Right. Um, so I walk through my life with that understanding. And certain moments might come over me where, like, I have five dollars or I have ten dollars, and yes. somebody just approaches me at that moment, and I feel the sincerity of that person. Yes. And that's that's when I that's when that might be the way that I give. Yes. Right. So yeah. you, you got to just, you got to just feel your way through the process. Yes. Interesting. Okay. And, and, and one last thing I'll just say too, I think it's, it's, it's not appropriate for anybody to carry any guilt about any of it either, because that's not, that's not our burden to bear. And, you know, every single soul that's incarnated on the planet has a unique imprint, has a unique destiny, has a unique yeah. set of lessons. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that we should be feeling guilty. I don't think guilty, guilt is not really a useful thing. Right. Anyways. Right. Um, so if you're feeling like that, yeah. like just, just feel into where that's coming from. That might be coming from, that's most likely coming from the indoctrination of society to keep you divided within yourself where you feel like, you're never doing enough. You're not doing enough for other people. Right. Um, you know, uh, relationships, whatever it is, just, just be, you know, I, I try to give from a spirit of giving. And if I don't feel that inside myself, I can either give to feel, start to feel that, or it just might not be appropriate for, for me at that time. Cause I have my own life I need to take care of. Yes. Interesting. Um, yeah, that was really good that you touched on, uh, for us not, to feel guilty. But then again, I don't want people to think that turning a blind eye is like necessarily the right thing to do either. Right. But that's not right. So just, right. we're not, we're not doing that though. That's why we're having this conversation exactly. to create a little more awareness and expansiveness around it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. If you do feel guilt, then, then engage with it, but don't, don't, don't allow that to become a motivating factor. If you're okay. truly motivated to help people, then help people because you want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good key point as well. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you about that you feel you need to touch on before we? Yeah. Um, one last thing I'll touch on real quick here is, um, so I talked about the phenomena of poverty. So what I would, what I'd really love to plant a seed for everybody is to look into a book called Wetiko, Dispelling the Curse of Evil. That's what the book is called. Okay. And it's one of the most fascinating reads I've ever, I've ever kind of gone down the rabbit hole with. And basically what the Wetiko is, is that was the Native American term that they used to describe the phenomenon of the, the, the you know, the conquistadors, the, the Europeans that yeah. came over. And they started to observe them like a parasite. They noticed that they weren't giving back that right. they were kind of just like selfish. They were bickering. They brought disease over. Yeah. And, and we know what happened from there, right? It was a parasitic energy. So they, in every single culture in the world has a term for this, this phenomenon. It's a okay. parasitic energy. That's why when he said it's like a viral infection, I was like, whoa, that actually is, mm -hmm. that's spot on. Because the phenomenon of poverty is, it is a parasitic infection of the mind which you know probably people have riddled with physical parasites too yeah 
Um, which is why when we do cleansing and we do parasite cleansing, we clean out the colon through colon hydrotherapy, we get on more living foods and more liquids and things like that. Mm -hmm. Those parasites, we remove those parasites, all of a sudden something changes up here. Right. Everything starts to change up here. And that's why it's really hard sometimes to just give direct actionable advice. Yes. Because a lot of it's the byproduct. Yeah. Like prosperity and money and all that. That's the byproduct. But we have to get to what's getting in the way of that. Um, so I want to I want to make that mention, too, mm -hmm. that, you know, for the, the way that Watika works is that it tries to project itself in the outer world and to get us to consciously focus on the projection and keep us from looking at what is actually going on inside of us. Yeah. So whenever we're blaming, we're shaming, we're complaining, we're pointing fingers, that is a direct um that is a direct feedback that there's something inside of us that actually it's it's the exact same thing. Like we we're carrying that energy, but it's causing us to look outside of us at the world at all the problems in the world. Yeah but we actually have to turn the magnifying glass on inside to see what is operating there so we can understand, we do the work on ourselves so we can understand what is going on in the world and what other people are going through underneath the surface. And that's the only way we'll have insight to know how to help people without just giving them band-aids. Like right, right, we can exactly. give people band-aids all day long, Okay. but it's gonna, and that's what our government does. That's what the whole thing does. And we've seen that the problem has only gotten worse over yeah. time. So how do we empower people? Mm -hmm. um, each person has to find their unique method for doing that. But the first and foremost is that we have to uncover those little nooks and crannies inside of us yeah. that are out of order. Right. Then we'll be better equipped to go into the world and you know be a beneficial presence, be a force of right. love. Right. Um, you know, and not really trying to fix anything, but trying to empower people, trying to inspire people, yeah. make sure people feel seen, they feel like a human being, they feel valued. The yes. more we value ourselves, the more we're able to, you know, value others. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And the more we understand ourselves, the more we can understand others. That's been my journey. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. That's a uh, big topic we cover today thank you yeah i feel i feel good i feel like we we were able to hit probably what feels like most most important i hope this yeah. was helpful for the audience i know when i was thinking about this like geez this is a huge topic there's <laughs> wide directions but yeah. i think you held the container really really well and i'm glad we did yeah. this yeah thank you so much i love having you on the show thank you ronnie awesome my pleasure Great. thank you have a good evening you too bye